Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. You ready to go? Yeah. You feeling rejuvenated? No. You haven't finished your milkshake, that's why. Yeah. Just finish your milkshake and then we'll watch some cartoons, eh? Oh, I'll be all bilious and milky. It's a good sound. Is it me vomiting strawberry milkshake? No, I want the bit before that. I want a good, solid three quarters of an hour to an hour and then... Then I can chuck it off. Yeah, and I'll just cut it off. Okay. Welcome back to the Space Jam Continuum, the show where we try to make a cohesive cinematic universe out of something that was never meant to be one. I'm Chris McLennan. I'm Carl Noble. And I, I'm, I've woken up a bit now. I'm incredibly hungover, but I suddenly feel... Rejuvenated. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to throw up loads of um, milkshake? No, I don't need to throw up any milkshake. I, I, I'm professional. <laughs> I, I, I'm not... No, I'm <laughs> There it is. There's the hangover. <laughs> There's the... Absolutely. There she blows. Uh, right. Uh, so, uh, last week, torso people at 35,000 feet. Yes. That was a major thing. Yeah. Uh, like giant cat, giant flying cat, giant flying cat, giant eagles from Lord of the Rings, giant eagles from Lord of the Rings, giants, giants, a um, lot of big things, a lot, a, lot, of, a lot of big things, a lot of plane related yeah, stuff. Yeah, but no altitude changes with the planes, just not, not, not in the, not in the giant just world. Just drive them around above the clouds. Yeah. Like a car. Yeah. In the giant world. Yeah. Because they live on some sort of like archipelago thing yeah a, a sort of there's an archipelago of rocky islands in the clouds uh and there might be torso people who combine with leg people and possibly head people that we haven't seen head people to make no. giants but that that might not be true that might not be true we uh, haven't got a conclusion uh, conclusive uh opinion Taz, on that yet potentially the only tasmanian devil at the moment uh yes uh well there's uh there's Tasmanian she devil. There was, um, but the, but it was the only one. Yeah, he, um, uh, I don't. We don't know if she's called Marsha. He's called John. He's called John. Yeah, that much we know. Yeah, uh, but when well, Bugs dressed as a Tasmanian she devil, he said Marsha, and I don't know if that's because he couldn't distinguish Bugs from his wife, or if there is only or one, if, or if there's an. Yeah, or if there's another one knocking around called Marsha. Yeah. But either way, giant, his wife wasn't happy. Giant Tweety Bird. There's a giant Tweety Bird. It's not Tweety Prime. No. Um, it's not grotesque enough to be Tweety Prime. No. So, yeah, I mean, we, and, we and basically also, introduced a lot of giant things. There was a lot of giant things. But I think a big thing was uh, Bugs trying to get Daffy uh, genie powers. Yeah, that's the big narrative situation is Bugs took Daffy to see a genie... Uh, to really bring Daffy properly into the fray, and uh, Daffy's avarice, yeah, um, really let him down on that one. And now, yeah. now Daffy's very small and kept in a clamshell. Yes, as for the time being, at least with a giant pearl, though. I mean, giant him. Yeah, but I mean, like, I just think that's gonna, you know, just perpetuate the issue. He's like, oh yeah, I've got treasure in here. He was hugging it, saying, "I am a happy miser." Yes, that's true. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. Uh, yeah. I know that was you know a bit all over the place and not very helpful, but, you know, that's where we're at. And uh, 
they're the sort of things you've got to keep in mind you, you as we get dive what into. You get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the kind of quality service we provide. You yeah. get what you get. Um, so yeah, keep those things in mind uh, as we go into uh, this week's cartoons. So uh, we're starting this week, uh, unfortunately, with some more honeymooners action. So yeah. you know, it's going to be some pre- presumably uh, some domestic issues. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we'll shall we do two or three in a, in a row? The next one's a foghorn leghorn one. So we'll definitely group that in. Do we want Bugs and Yosemite in the same chunk or in the next chunk? Uh, I reckon we do them in the next chunk because I've got a feeling that this this one here with uh, Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog might be an interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably true. So we'll we'll do we'll do them by twos today. So we are starting with Cheese It to the Cat, which is Ralph Crumden, Ned Morton, and Alice Crumden uh, from May fourth, nineteen fifty seven. And Fox Terror, which is Foghorn Leghorn, Barnyard Dog, and Fox from May 11th, 1957. Right, a lot of weird stuff in the second one. Yeah. Do you want to start with the first, or... Uh, I think so, yeah. Because I mean, like we can, I think we can box that one off reasonably quickly. Yeah. So I mean, it's another honeymooners number. Uh, we're back to the mouse honeymooners. Yep. Although I was wondering if they're rats. At some point, he says Monsieur Rat, and I was like, "Is that? Is this just another rabbit's hair?" Yeah, situation? I, th- I, th- I think it's exactly that. Um, I mean, what I found interesting with this one is it's the same cat, but yeah. uh, Ralph seemed alarmed that there was a cat in the kitchen saying there's never been a cat in the kitchen in the last episode where we saw them like the family just moved in and this cat had moved in yeah and like he's got no recollection of that whatsoever no and nor's ned yeah i mean like part of me thinks i wonders if we're dealing with another sort of closed time loop foghorn leghorn situation possibly Uh, but yeah i don't know or if they're different Mice who have also had the honeymoon printed on them. Or maybe they're just dim. I mean, they are definitely dim. I mean, right. like, uh, Ralph definitely has a, like, a, a denial problem. Yes. Like, he'll come up with a terrible idea, then blame Ned for the idea yes. over and over again. Um, and so maybe he just has denial of the fact, like, over the fact that he's moved his family into this dangerous cat environment why well, and it's just like nah it's never been a cat here it's safe probably so, safe I'm so what i'm wondering about this cat is this is this like uh one of like sylvester's pals who's just like out to do a job like because he's got a bit of a mad eye moody sort of vibe he's got a him. red eye and yeah yeah i don't really know what that's about but we've definitely seen him uh in and around sylvester before he's yes. definitely sniffing around when sylvester inherited had cash his his millions yeah but but there wasn't really a lot to get from that, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Um, like, there's, I, I mean, I quite like the, like the evolution of the mouse society because we yep. very early on decided that you know you basically rent out uh, bits of the sort of skirting boards yep. to mouse society. But now like, they've got little front doors and stuff and like yes, stairs. yeah, yeah. Um, Ned was at work, I think, down the sewer, down the down the the plug hole, yeah. 
Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, if certain things are like mouse jobs, certain functions of a house, because like he might have been down there fixing the disposal. Yeah, I was wondering if he fixes the garbage disposal. It just seems weird that you would, uh, you know, have mice living in your house that have like a front door and all of this. Yeah. Um, and they have like jobs within your house, and yet you still have a cat that is actively trying to kill them. But there again, I mean, I guess a job's a job, isn't it? Like, yeah, but is the cat there to kill the mice, or is the cat there to stop the mice from eating all the food? Chooses to, yeah. So is it like, look, if they try and nick anything, like he's just guard, he just guards the fridge. Yeah, he's not there to kill the mice. No, he's there to make sure the mice don't take the cake. From yeah, the that's fair. Because I mean, like, like if you're, I guess if you're subletting like a room in your house, you probably wouldn't be happy if the person who was living in that room was just schnaffling all your dinner. Yeah, but I also just think of it in terms of like, you know, if like, you know, if you had a uh, apartment building or a hotel or yeah. whatever, you might you might have someone who is security for that building. Yeah, it's like you know, you're not not letting anyone in, but you know. You're there to just make sure they everyone abides by the by the by the rules. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like not much to gain from that one. The Foghorn Leghorn one. Uh, there's some weird <laughs> stuff going on. Well, I I think we also witnessed another um, creature having its moment because the there's the young chicken that keeps pulling on the uh, in case of fox pull bell yeah thing, and he keeps doing that. And he can't talk. He doesn't talk. I, I, I but wanted then to bring in the him end, up. he talks. Yeah, he talks right at the end. But the thing I wanted to bring up about him is, like, if he's a rooster, mm. and Foghorn Leghorn's a rooster, yeah, Foghorn Leghorn's like twenty times the size of him. Yeah, different different breeds, aren't it? I mean, that's quite a different breed. Yeah, really, really quite impressively different breed. Yeah, but I wonder, did Foghorn Le- was Foghorn Leghorn always massive, or is that something that's happened to him? You know, since super sentience. I mean, I'm I'm not sure because the the thing is like the 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 rooster in that was very young. Yeah, uh, supposedly. Um, so it's possible that he may grow to be a similar sort of size. Yeah, maybe he's just but, a child. Yeah, uh, but I mean, foghorn is particularly large. So this episode revolves around a fox basically trying in trying to get in to kill the chickens. Yeah, uh, and using foghorn. To distract barnyard dog, yeah, from doing his job, from doing his job of guarding the chickens, something which we know Falcorn is great at. Yeah, um, they don't seem to be at their standard loggerheads in this one, though. No, like Falcorn is just going to go off fishing at the start. He, yeah. he, like normally we open on him just tormenting barnyard dog for no reason. Yeah, he gets to it once he's given incentive to do so. Well, but, the thing is, I don't know if he does at any point actively just try and torment the dog. No, like, he wants like, the dog to come with him fishing. Well, the, the, the fox tells him to go hunting. Oh, hunting, and, sorry, and, yeah. and And, and uh, he goes, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'll go get the dog. And then he just drags the dog off. So he's not trying to torment the dog at that point, but he's like, oh, I need a hunting dog. So he goes and grabs the dog. And then I think the next time he gets tricked into blowing up the dog's face with dynamite. Yeah, uh, classic jape. It's a classic jip. Um And, yeah, I think at no point, really, is Foghorn actively trying to wind up the dog. No, he just works with him. And, like, yeah, he's more like, you know, that slightly irresponsible friend yeah. who, like, 
you know, wants you to pull a sickie and go and do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the, the bell that's in it as well, I found that really frustrating because that bell was there to warn the dog of a fox. And yeah. every time the, the young rooster pulled it, Barnyard Dog came up and went, oh, he obviously needs a drink of water. Uh, yeah, what, like there's a why have the bell there? There's a plaque next to it that says, in case of And fox. I'm assuming Barnyard Dog put that there. Or at least is aware of it when he did when he did his induction. He probably got taken around the farmyard going, "Ah, oh, this uh, the chickens will pull this bell occasionally if they see a fox." I mean, Barnyard Dog, it's like he does seem like he's lazy. He's asleep all the time. Like yeah. he, he's still but he's gets probably relying on the bell, isn't he? Well, yeah, but like I, he doesn't strike me as someone who would necessarily listen properly. No, in his during an induction. Induction. Yeah, uh, but he still does. I don't know he sort of takes his responsibility quite seriously. He won't be taken away he doesn't no. want it but i think that's just he doesn't want to lose his job he doesn't he doesn't want to be uh, found absent yeah from his job he, he doesn't, doesn't want to get in trouble yeah he doesn't want to be found asleep but, green, green chicken yeah there's green chicken uh don't know what that's about no uh, the only time the only thing i thought was is it a chicken from our world oh it's been there too long because when people from our world yeah, they stay there too long they go a bit sort of bluey green and weird that's a, yeah. So is there a chicken from our world just trapped there? Possibly. Like the just, only, it just wandered in. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of with the green chicken. It wasn't a big part of the episode. No. You saw it, so no, it, was just, it was just like, that's weird. Single green chicken. So yeah, that's my thinking there. That somehow a chicken from our world has got in there. Yeah. Has Foghorn Leghorn ever left via the portal? Not that, not that we've seen. No. He's stuck in a loop for a very long time. Yeah. We haven't seen um, Henry Hawk in a while. No. Uh Maybe Henry Hawk. Maybe he grew Because Henry Hawk often goes to grab himself a chicken or a rooster. He does. Uh, and he likes to go off sort of... He's quite adventurous. Maybe he's ventured out of the portal. And then brought a chicken back. Because he never winds up eating the chicken. Because no. so, often he ended up with Foghorn Leghorn and he's just back every episode. So That's true. Maybe he just brought a chicken back. That's just like a trophy. It's like, I grabbed this green chicken. I grabbed uh, this uh, otherworldly chicken. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got this chicken, brought it back. Plonkity on the farm? Who knows? But we do know there is at least one our world chicken knocking around yep. in there. And it's been there for quite a while. The other thing I noted in this episode was uh, a fox, if it puts on clothes, does not appear as a fox. No. Like, I mean, we've, we've known Toons to historically have great difficulty with just, like, identifying yeah. animals. Like, or any form of disguise, no matter how good instantly you are what you've disguised yourself as. But I've not um, I've not known it before to completely disguise your species. Like, yeah. As soon as he had any sort of clothes on, but I he guess, was unidentifiable to both Falcon and by a dog as a fox. But I guess like the, the, the defining features of a fox are bushy tail, pointy ears. The you, pointy cover ears the, you cover those two things. The pointy done. ears were covered most of the time, times, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. And the tail. Show. Oh no, no! When he was a game show host, no, the point years were up. Mind you, like it wasn't Foghorn's job to stop foxes. It's only buying your dogs. So I think, like the the vast majority of the time, like when they interacted, uh, the fox was interacting with Foghorn, not with buying your dog. Yeah, but he still seemed to. Oh no, because he did say, "Oh, but I bet I know who." At yeah. the end, so he knew there was a fox knocking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Falcon could identify him as a fox, and, and didn't dog care. Wasn't paying that much attention. No, well, you never really saw him. The only time you saw him was when um, he was 
had a bone waft in front of his face, which got chucked into a magic folding box, and then he was folded up into the Forgotten Realm or whatever. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about where we th- like what we think is on the other side of the box. Uh, well, I, it see, crushed him into like no dimensions. I think it's um, the shadow. Is it a shadow realm in Superman? Shadow. Do, do, do you know on the Superman film where um, Emperor Zod gets put into oh, the, yeah. bla- the into the pane yeah, of glass yeah. that flies through space, and that's a flat sort isn't of it? that sort of situation. The phantom, the phantom zone. That's yes. it. It's called the phantom zone. I think that's where he went. So. Uh, in that case, uh, why do we think that having been to the Phantom Zone, he gained the ability to just fold Falkhorn up? Maybe, maybe it was residual folding powers. So you think? Do we think that Barnyard Dog has that power now? I mean, I don't know how long it lasts, but he definitely had it right there. Okay, so the residual Phantom Zone powers, like Barnyard Dog, may have the ability yeah. to, and he was there before. Uh, Emperor Zod uh, and s- the the Superman film directly stole it from this cartoon. That's true because this was Phantom 1957. Zone. He went to the Phantom Zone long before, long, long, long before uh, Superman. All right, well, that's, sent that's good Zod to know. There. Do we have to factor Superman in these days? I don't think so. You see, you say you don't think so, but Space it's part Chad. of the it's part of the Warner Brothers franchise. Isn't so it? yes, and, we do. And unfortunately. So, well, well, in so this the case, zone. fortunately, the yeah. Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone. That, that's tick. it. Tick. Tick, that's a tick. <laughs> Got that one. So, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Foghorn's idea at the end? Because I don't really know what uh, his... Like, I, I wouldn't have said that was really an idea. The like, fox hunting bit. So they dressed up like the fox did at the start. Yeah. And sort of word for word that distracted was him the same way. Yeah. But two of them just speaking in... Perfect unison. Perfect uh, unison. Then, then they turned into like duelists. musket fighters. Yeah, and then so and took a couple of paces, then turned around and shot him. Yeah, and then when he ran away, because guns don't kill things in no. the universe, they just make they you lose your hair. Yeah. Uh, then they just span around again because they were changing. Yeah, by spinning like Superman like does Superman. In, a, in, a, in, a, in a phone booth. Yeah, yeah. so it's in. Uh, you might have learned that in the Phantom Zone as well. Yeah. Uh, then they spin around and the last costume change uh, he just turns into a hunter and he's just riding on your dog, on your dog. Who, yeah now that was weird my initial reaction was like oh I see so now he's going to finally go hunting he's still going to do what the fox suggested it was like that's not what I use a hunting dog for no and and also like that was fox hunting gear he was dressed as a fox hunter but that, like so but yeah you don't like fox, fox hunting you don't ride the dogs yeah but that like so that didn't make much sense to me, but the thing that really got me about it was we know he explained this plan to Barnyard Dog. Yeah. And Barnyard Dog must have gone. Yes, please. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. Yes, please, pal. That's a top plan. Because the fox breaks in to the chicken coop. Yeah. And Barnyard Dog goes to go and sort it out, and Falcon goes, no way. Yeah, I've Let, got an I've idea. I've got an idea. Yeah. And presumably has to explain that plan to him. Yeah, it's like the last change. While, while the fox just goes and murders all, murders the, all the chickens. Yeah. But like Vanya Dog said, yes, not only do I have time to listen to a plan, but that plan where you end up dressing as a husband and riding me about, it, yeah, that good. I think is the one. I yeah. think that's like, the plan I like for this me. plan. <laughs> so yeah, don't really know what was going on there. But yeah, like you say, it's just 
they're definitely not uh, loggerheads in the way they they used no, to be. No, 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 like, definitely not. They're they're kind of buds, um, which is nice to see. Yeah, because I, I I did feel really quite sorry for buying a dog having to be woken up every day yeah. by being by being pummeled with a bit of wood. Yeah, <laughs> every day. every day. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's those two. I mean, no great universe changing uh, like stuff really. Uh, no, but there again, the, the Foghorn ones never really did because they were always within their own bubble. Like yeah, they were but, universe changing within their own little. Yeah, bit, but the bubble but is broken now. It is, yeah, but I still don't think we're ever going to get anything un- universe changing from Foghorn. No, because nothing in there that was universe changing, like the Phantom Zone. Uh, is anything that wasn't done by the Space Jam 2 trailer. Exactly. So, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, shall we move on then? I think uh, we should. To, uh, well, I'm going to group these two together because they're, they're both uh, dances as old as time. Yeah. First is uh, a Bugs Bunny and 70 Sam number. Now, they've been uh, in constant battle across the ages. Yeah. Uh, Yosemite Sam being an eldritch horror from beyond the pale, yep. completely ageless, and Bugs Bunny being a time-travelling nightmare. Yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, the next one is a Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog number, uh, which, you know, they're pretty formulaic, but yep. they're always fun to watch, but... Ralph Wolf might be particularly interesting uh, with recent uh, realizations about Wiley Coyote, yeah, who is the genius inventor. Because yeah, because uh, you think Ralph might be one of his sort of like experiments, yeah, uh, that is Frankenstein monster, yeah. sort of situations. Uh, so uh, we are watching Piker's Peak, which is a Bugs Bunny Year Seventy Sam number from May twenty fifth, nineteen fifty seven. And Steel Wool, a Ralph Wolf and Sam Sheepdog number from June 8th, 1957. Okay, then. Two dances as old as time. Yeah, uh, and I must say, like, I think Ralph... And Sam are probably two of my favourite characters. I love Ralph like, and Sam episodes like, every single time. Yeah, they're it's so good. So, it's just so, so brilliant. But I reckon we do the Bugs one and we'll get to how great yeah. Ralph and Sam are. So Bugs and Yosemite Sam are in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, the village has challenged uh, anyone to climb the Schmatterhorn. Yeah. Uh, and it's 500 thousand klondikes or something yeah like. something like that um i guess that's a lot uh and yeah uh, yosemite sam like takes takes the mission and bugs uh is obviously there to uh, ensure that doesn't happen yeah because um, he doesn't want sam rich now sam has no recollection of bugs bugs does have recollection of sam i presume yeah. that's just because uh sam has to live the entire time between their encounters Whereas Bugs can just skip to the next one. Yes. Um, so it's probably been several hundred years since they last had an encounter. Because the, like, the latest ones I can think of really are like uh, maybe a hundred years. Yeah. But, but like, I mean, they're like Wild still, West sort yeah, of times. That's still enough time to forget about a rabbit. Yeah, one encounter with a rabbit. But why is Sam there, do you think? I don't know. But 
like he seems genuinely excited about the money. So yep. like he must just be to an extent trying to live a normal existence. He did seem to me because he like he, he he was like dressed in local garb. He didn't speak with an accent though. He still spoke like Sam. But I'm doing wondering whether or not like. He still spot the language, just... Well, I don't know, because I think it's for convenience of uh, narrative, I mean, even in-universe, like, convenience yeah. of narrative for Sam, because the people in that village exist only to give him that quest. Because whenever true. he falls... Because Bugs basically just keeps sending him back down the mountain via various means, and yeah. he'll always just slide into town. Yeah. Now, the people of the town at the start, like, they're having a bit of a sort of do yeah. to send off whoever goes on this mission... Yeah, so yeah. climb the mountain and they play loads of music and like have a big to do. When he slides back down, they are always still just stood in the square doing literally fuck all do, do until think, he turns up. It's like, like quick. Do you think it's like Truman Show? I think they're NPCs. Yeah, I think yeah, they're, they're like, like they they exist only oh, back. only to be characters in Sam's little sort of bit. Little bit. Yeah. Do you reckon but, Sam set that up? I don't know. Like, I, because you went Truman Show, I, I was thinking, like, is it sort of a WandaVision Possibly. situation? Has he annexed these people? They they just act? Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't put that past Sam, because what I found interesting was this large sum of money is being offered, and nobody's up for it at all. Everyone stays completely silent until... Sam goes, yeah, I'll do it. That's yeah, that's a lot of that's a yeah. lot of cash. To get me up there, but like, so yeah, I think I think Sam has set this whole thing up. I, yeah, I mean, whether knowingly or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah it, it's just that these people exist only to further. Do you reckon it's part of his like eldritch presence? Well, I think like because. Because all those sort of... Um, the people did look weird as well, though. They did look weird. Because there was a green guy there. I didn't see the green mm. guy. He was right at the end. As it, as it was panning over the crowd, you had people with, like, like piss holes in the snow farms. <laughs> like, fucking people with normal eyes and, like... I liked as it panned across, like, we both laughed at the same... Yeah. The same lass with just dots for eyes. Yeah. Just looked... Just gormless. Uh, <laughs> but then eventually, like, I think, it, like, the last person it panned on was a green one. I didn't know. So I'm thinking, like, that's that's part of Sam's, like, eldritch thrall. Yeah, and, like, because all those sort of Lovecraftian things, like, they deal extensively with, like, madness Mm. and, you know, people losing their mind. It's like, you know, it it adds up to me that, like, he's just, he's had people throughout all of his time just sort of slowly come out of his thrall and now he's got quite a... uh, He's got a village. Quite an ensemble. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to just further going. whatever he narrative fancies, he yeah. wants to play out in his mind. Um, it, and that especially sort of adds up to me because uh, in the end, when they climb the mountain, uh, the fog clears and it turns out they're at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Bugs has led them on some sort of merry dance. Yeah, but the villagers are all, all there. Yeah, at the bottom of the tower. Like, yeah, at the bottom of the tower. Playing the, so playing the music. Regardless of the setting, they go with... They go with... Yeah. And facilitate whatever whatever, whatever narrative he fancies, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I do. I think they're they're under his eldritch thrall. Yeah, um, that's weird and concerning because you don't you don't want Sam necessarily to have that much. I don't know people around him to do his bidding. Yeah, but I don't think they do his bidding really. Like no. I can't imagine them like doing sort of 
evil minion stuff. No. But then Sam never really seems to have, like, a directly evil agenda. No, but, I mean, there again, like, I, I don't think any eldritch god realistically has an evil agenda. They no. just have an agenda we don't understand. Yeah, and it just and so happens not... to involve, you know, killing a load of people. Yeah, I think so. But I just think it's sort of unwitting most of the time. He's yeah. just going about his business. And, unfortunately, his business is not great for folks. No. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about all I really got out of that. Yeah. Uh, it was a good I mean, episode. I liked it. Uh, and, you know, it's... It's a new facet to yeah. his bow. Um, but uh, I think we'll get more out of um, Ralph Wolf and Sam's Sheepdog because we always do. That, it's, such a, it's such a nice, uh, always a nice episode to sit and watch because like Ralph and Sam, like they're buds. Like they live next door to each other. They work together. Yeah, and, and the, the, them working together is like one of the last sort of semblances uh, of the sort of uh, like a bit more like socialist yeah. uh, ideal because, you know, it's, it's definitely a job creation situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like everyone everyone must be working towards the, the holes. Like, okay, so what's what we need to do? Uh, create an entirely closed system yeah. <laughs> where you try and nick stuff and he stops you and that's your job. That's it, yeah. Um, uh, like so, I liked it. Like it, it started with uh, Sam sort of like waking up six o'clock in the morning. He gets up, gets himself sorted, goes out the door, um, and he sees Ralph's paper has been left at the end of uh, his garden, and he just sort of like chucks it onto um, Ralph's porch. And as soon as Ralph comes out, he was like, "Are oh, you all right, Ralph?" And then they just, and then they just like you know they got the little pack lunches. They walk off to work, and they just wander off to work. They both punch in. And then, you know, they get into their sort of respective characters and then the whistle goes and it's like, right, you're starting your day at work and Ralph will try and nick sheep and Sam will stop them. Well, the, like, the only reason I can think of for the jobs outside of it just being arbitrary, everyone needs to work yeah. and it's just to be sort of an idyllic sort of, like, this is what the world is like. Yeah. Just tick on. It's like like a diorama. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I thought is, is, is it like... Uh, a security firm, but like it's like a demo. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, okay. You want to hire one of our good sheepdogs? Yeah, you know, this is this, this. this is what they're about. Um, but then at the end, I I'm not so sure about that because he said he could, like, he tells Ralph that he's working too hard, yeah. and that um, he should, he should take the day off. off, and he can do both jobs. Yeah, and it's like, well, you wouldn't be able to do both jobs. If it were a demo, but maybe no. maybe you just wreck stuff and just hope that that's demonstration enough. I mean, uh, what I'm wondering is whether or not uh, Ralph would ever actually do anything with the sheep. Like, like, does he just have to get them past a line? Like, and then the sheep goes back. Like, is he's not trying to nick it to kill it? Like, I think he's just got to try and get it past a line somewhere. Yeah, but uh, again, if it's the if the demonstration is you're good, you're good sheepdogs. Yeah then like he will never succeed and no. he knows he's not he's not trying to no he's there to look like he's going to steal a sheep yeah and try many different ways yeah cuz it's good it's good to show that uh Sam's tried and tested punch you into the ground technique yeah works for all <laughs> types of sheep theft but th- th- this episode did have uh, probably the longest gag 
Yeah, I mean, it was like it just looped basically, yeah. but it was pretty, pretty great. <laughs> it was awesome the whole way through. So he creates a sort of uh, like slingshot, no, catapult sort of yeah. situation round between two rocks. round two rocks with a big uh, resistance band, I yeah. guess, uh, to fire himself for some reason at. Uh, See, I don't know if he was going to load something. Oh, so into he, he it, drew it back and then, yeah, and then, and then was in. going to pop something in to launch at Sam. But either way, as he's pulling it back, the rocks uh, suddenly fly back towards yeah. him. But they fly past him. Yeah. And then, it, because cartoons, he doesn't let go of the band. So he gets pulled and flung through a gap in cliffs yeah. where the rocks lodge. And then uh, he pings through. He grabs a tree so he doesn't get pinged back. Yeah. And the rocks go through the gap in the cliff and fly past him yeah smack him through the tree smack him through the tree and then the tr- then then the rocks carry on he and then the, the the rocks and the tree and him are all tumbling along looks like a rolling yeah. cock and balls and it just goes rocks and then him and whatever he's holding on to a For couple ages. more times yeah. over and over again until eventually he gets hit by the tree against a cliff but it's like how long are they gonna do this for and the answer was a really long time. <laughs> it was very like, good, though. Nearly half the episode. Yeah, and I think that, like, like that, that was kind of, I think, where, um, or did he do the dynamite bridge after that? The dynamite bridge was the last thing. Yeah, um, and then and 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 then they clock off and they won they wander home. So, Ralph Wolf, like, he's one of the creations from Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, um, I did wonder uh, where you land on. Do you do, do you think he was an earlier one? Or a later one. I think it's a later one because, like, he's he's just a lot better. Like, he is a he lot can, better. He, he can talk. Like he's functional. He is alive. Do you think he is more functional because he was given more attention by Wiley e. Coyote, or because he got out of there much sooner? Well, I, either that, or maybe he just hasn't been hitting the head as much as. Wiley has. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't taken hasn't as sustained many the damage. Boulders or anvils or just explosions or cars yeah. to the face. Yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, he, he's got his life far more together. Yeah. I also think uh, that Wiley Coyote was uh, more selective in the parts he stitched together to make uh, Ralph Wolf. Because Ralph Wolf can move in some incredible ways. Yes. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Like he like definitely has fully ways. dexterous fingers for all, all fingers and yeah. toes, and they can support his full body weight, full weight, and, and move, around, move around like each one moving around like a little thing like, from the Adams yeah. family. Yeah, and it was incredible. But like when he crouched down real low, and he was just like, and he's like a snake. And he's like, oh, that is disgusting. So I think like because of the way he's put together, he's got a bit more. He's got more options. Yes. Like, he's very... Yeah. But his life's a lot easier than Wiley's is as well. Because he gets to live in a house. Like, he obviously has a pat lunch. He obviously has a regular wage. Yeah. Like, that, the, 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 the state of his house and, like, his little pat lunch stuff uh, also uh, just fully support the fact that he's in no way intending to steal sheep. No. He doesn't need to steal. He's he's perfectly well yeah. off. He's, 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 like, he's He's getting paid. He's got a job. He could go down the shop and buy... Whatever he wants. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think he's just like, he's, he's, he's like the Mark II. Yeah. And it's gone much better 
this time around. Yeah, able to hold down a, a job and not just be used in some sort of torture dome. Question is, do you think he, do you think he uh, remains in contact with Wiley Coyote? I mean, I reckon... Or do you think he's uh, out like, of there? Like, I, I, I reckon uh, Dr. Coyote would probably um, pop in to do like regular checkups to make sure that he's... You know, in good working order, like if anything goes wrong. Well, I wondered if they're demoing for Wiley Coyote, mm. like, um, productions. So, like... Very, yeah, very possible. Is Sam Sheepdog, is he, like, a, you know, a, a, some sort of, like, super soldier experiment or something? He's got those bloodshot eyes. He has got bloodshot we eyes. We saw his eyes He's for the first time. incredibly strong and incredibly dense. strong. Um, so, I wonder if he's, like, another... Uh, Wiley Coyote sort of experiment. Very possible. Um, and like, so they're demoing both sides. It's like, oh, here's the, here's your sort of spy, like, yeah. sneaky yeah, yeah. soldier. Here's your just stoic giant <laughs> V shaped yeah. super soldier. Uh, all yeah, at the best I mean, of Wiley Coyote Industries. I, I think we'd need more information to settle on that fully, but I think oh, that's, sure. but I think that's I mean that sounds pretty legit given how they work together. Yeah, it just it like it's just making some sense of that as a thing, and also just yeah tying it in with with Wiley Coyote and Wiley Coyote, mm. different characters. Cannot stress that enough. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 that's why I'm going to start referring to. Uh, Wiley Coyote is Doctor Coyote. Yeah, Doctor Coyote. Just so, so, so when I say Wiley, I'm talking about Wiley Coyote. Yeah, um, yeah, that works. Without having me. to say the full thing, so Doctor Coyote. Yeah, Wiley Coyote yeah. and Ralph Wolf. Yeah. yeah, all different people sorted. Uh, we'll move on into the last couple. Then uh, it's like. It's seriously like classic Pantheon situation this is in big, this last, these two. last couple because it's uh, it's a Daffy and Porky number followed by a Bugs and Elmer number. It's always good to like get at least one check in with uh, Elmer in these episodes because like he's like he's quite influential these days. He is and, yeah. and wealthy. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to watch Boston Quacky, which is a Daffy Duck and Porky Pig number from June 22nd, 1957. And What's Opera Doc, which is a Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd number from July 6th, 1957. Okay, so back in France... Straight in, yes, with Boston Quacky, friend to someone, enemy to someone else. There was a big whole thing at the start. Yeah, I can't remember. Now, this for me felt like a show. Yeah, this this their characters. It's Boston Quacky, and it's Inspector Faraway. Yeah, so I don't think what we're seeing, like you know, Daffy and Porky doing something other than like putting, like actually filming a show. But I think that's interesting given the uh, second episode we watched. Uh, yeah. Because that's Elmer and Bugs, like, definitely doing an opera. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, I would love to go to um, one of Elmer's operas because those sets were on point. Yeah, there was some serious, serious yeah. business going on. Huge. But let's, let's stick to Boston Quacky for now. Okay. But yes, I think, I think it's a show. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> Nothing, nothing really world changing. Just like Daffy being uh, 
detective? Yeah, although, like, because of the nature of the show it was, like, because the opera one, like, quite fantastical, but yeah. this is, like, you know, clearly meant to be a reflection of real life. So yes. I think you have to take, like, societal things in it as things that are at least based on real life. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about uh, was the Cloak and Dagger Express. Okay, yeah. So there's, a like, pretty much just a crime train. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, where seemingly anything goes like there's a guy the guy he's coming around selling you dum-dums yeah and like knuckle dusters yeah and like i don't know it's just and there's a there's an electric chair carriage uh, yeah there's like, the, well there's the, there's the club car there's the club which car. when you open it up you get clubbed yeah so i'm wondering like because you know it i mean in england at least uh like you don't need a license to serve alcohol on a train because yeah. it's going through too many different districts and all that's dealt with by local authorities. Yes. So like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of just like, that, lets eh. it go. Yeah. In the Tooniverse, do they just do that with everything? If there's you're just, on a train... There's no law. It's like, we, we can't I mean, really pin it down. Like, I guess unless, they, unless like, you know, because the railway police are a thing. So yeah, I'm wondering whether or not, like, maybe just the railway police don't do that one. Or whether or not it's like the Orient Express... You know, like it's like a holiday train, right? Okay, but but for but for like crime criminals, like it's like taking it's like a holiday crime. from the law. Yeah, just like give us a break. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have now. a law holiday. But I just like the idea that like you know someone was going to kill someone and someone caught them before they were doing it. It's like oi, oi, not here. If you want to do that sort of thing, get on the Cloak and Dagger Express. Well, the, but the thing is, is nothing that realistically happens on the Cloak and Dagger Express because I mean. <sighs> I don't think there is much law in the Tooniverse because you can buy dynamite anywhere. Anybody can buy it. Anybody can use it because it doesn't really do very much. I reckon anyone can buy bullets and guns because they just make you bold. Like, so all of the things that are being sold on the train, I think you're probably just going to pick them up down the corner shop anyway. Alex, we've definitely had murder- murderers in the past. We have, but yeah, I but guess because it's so difficult to kill someone. We haven't seen many police anywhere, though. No, but again, like they're doing a detective show like so it must reflect something yeah that's true unless it's what they think of our world yeah right or in this case just what they think of france it could be (laughs) it's like but yeah i don't know but i i I like the idea that there's this sort of snowpiercer-esque uh just just train is always going as long as it doesn't stop moving anything goes once it's in the station you have like, to abide like, by the law. Yeah, but yeah. like as soon as it pulls away, it's That's like it. right away you go. Get away, get away with it. Like you just go. Okay, I need someone killed, so I need to buy him uh, um, a ticket for the Cloak and Dagger Express. Yeah. Couple of tickets, one for the murderer, one for the murdery. But but you get one return, one single. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, like it. It was an interesting, an interesting show because like, it ended with. Um, basically an instant woman like a dehydrated woman in a can yeah that that was a bit weird it was weird but they're gonna like i don't th- I, I think it's like a blow-up doll essentially it's uh, like yeah it's it's uh that's well, definitely not a it's not like a human popped out it was when you need like uh you need a date for the evening yeah like but it's, it's mainly you just need to be same thing but yeah it wasn't a human no like, because it was, like, it was like, like a mannequin yeah like it wasn't walking properly it didn't it have facial sort of expressions it just, yeah it's just you. like you know but yeah it's kind of odd i guess it's like filling up a sex doll with helium 
<laughs> just a, just a, just enough of a helium mix that it just it, it it's yeah, not going to mutually buoyant. It's just gonna, just just going to drift around yeah. next year. <laughs> Imagine going to fucking like ambassador's reception yeah. and <laughs> just, just like, like here's my wife. And yeah, just, just half fucking... filled fucking helium sex doll. <laughs> I can see that being quite uh, quite amusing, but you know he, he seemed happy enough with it. Yeah, uh, I mean so, the thing know. like he was just like, oh, I just needed I needed an escort for tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go, pal. You've got one. But then Daffy picks up the thing and he's like, oh, I reckon this. I reckon there's a market for this. Yeah, because he but he's a salesman at heart, isn't he? He, he is. So do, do and that's his next. That's his next. But well, if it's a show, I think that was more like product placement. Yes. Yeah. I think and like yeah. that's just a bit where he turns to camera and sort of does and, the advert and just does an Acme advert. Yeah. It's just like again, like Truman Show. Yeah. Where it's just occasionally just turn to the camera and just show you the the product they're yeah. using. Yeah. I mean, but the, my struggle, I guess, is what they're doing doing a show. Like, well, I mean, the thing is, is we know um, it's been a that while. Porky the Fourth. Uh, like has things he has to do like he's contractually obliged and i think daffy is as well and i guess daffy uh like it likes to be sort of actor director he does he, 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 he likes to keep a flipper in so, at all times doesn't he so yeah i guess so i guess like of all the people who could be still doing shows because we had quite a lot of shows early on yeah but i think that was that was more a case of tooniverse and our world like international relations yeah. sort of situation Whereas now when they do shows, it's like, I don't know, it feels kind of odd. But if anyone, if any two are going to be doing it, I guess Daffy and Porky are probably the, 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 the ones. They're the, the, the ones who are more likely to still be gainfully employed. Yeah, Daff, Daffy's big again, so that's good. He's not yeah. living in a clam. Yeah, but there again, when you're entirely modular, it's probably quite easy to get big again, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess, I guess they just like... Just put download his personality to, yeah. the, to the next body. Yeah, put surrogates and style. just put big bits on them. <laughs> just put big bits back on. Just, just put big bits back on. It could it could just be still tiny Daffy in inside piloting a Daffy body. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> it's like oh no, we've shrunk the trip. We shrunk the chip. Yeah, like the rest doesn't matter, but the chip no longer fits in the bits. So ultimately, you're just going to have to pilot yourself. Yeah. Like a tiny, a tiny guy. Oh, I'm, I'm happy Maybe that, that now <laughs> because because that's great to me. Yeah, be good if they had to have two of him and like, they do it Pacific Rim style. style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Daffy could sync with anyone. <laughs> no, not even himself. So. We've seen inside his brain, and he is not coherent. No, I mean, he's not syncing maybe, with anybody. Yeah, maybe if he'd, uh, maybe if he'd uh, actually gone to the genie. As was intended, like him and Bugs could do it, but he didn't. He didn't. whiffed it. So I don't know how long he has to wait now. Well, before. do, 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 do it as like when you lock yourself out of something and you've got to wait like 30 seconds before you can put your password back in. Yeah, maybe he has to go to the bank. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, that, that, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've totally locked myself out. Uh, the opera then. What's opera I, doc? I really liked this one. So. Because I, I just thought it was hilarious. It's great. It, like, it was basically just the. Ring of the Nibelung, but Bugs and Elmer were there. Yeah, uh, Bugs obviously uh, in the role of Brunhilde because that's exactly what Bugs does. Uh, yes, exactly, and uh, he does it quite well and for a long time. And Elmer is Siegfried. I think it's Siegfried. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they're doing they're doing their full like uh, 
you know, Germanic come Scandinavian myth yes, time. Yeah, yeah. I like to think this is just what because because Bugs and Elmer are super powerful. Yes, yeah. Like yeah. They, yeah. They, the, they, the both of them are. They've been gods, in god god status for a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just like to think this is what they're doing on their downtime. It's just, 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 just really, really do it, really go to town on the being a god shit. Yeah. <laughs> just like, operaing around. Like, and we know Elmer has a lot of money, so and, and he does like to fund projects like this. Yeah. So like, I think he's very much just going like, yeah, fuck it, I want to do an opera. Yeah. And if I'm going to do an opera, I'm going to do it right. And if you tell Bugs he gets to, you know, put on a, a wig and he's makeup and, yeah. and sing, he's like, yep. Yeah, I'm in. Sold. What, what I found interesting was Elmer's magic hat. Magic, his magic, his magic hat and his sphere. Yeah, magic helmet. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it cause, because it glowed like golden, but it allowed him to control the weather. Yeah, we've we've seen him try and control the weather before, I think. Mm. But I I'm wondering whether or not that's like his power, but he doesn't necessarily know, so he thinks it's the hat. No, I think he knows it's not the hat, but he needs other people to think it's the hat. Right. Okay. Like because because we were operating for a long time under the under the uh, idea that Elmer was incredibly powerful but just didn't know it. Yeah, but I think he knows it now because he's been king of the elves and stuff. He's mm. done all kinds of all kinds of bits and pieces. So yeah. I think I think at some point he's realised that he's got that some... he's got some some mad powers. Yeah, and luckily, like hasn't done anything particularly maniacal with them. No, but, but then I mean, he's not that bright. Yeah, but that's it. And and also, Elman never really did it, like because he's he, he suffers from like instant remorse. Yeah. Like you know, and I think I think he is probably fully aware of that now. So I think he he really tames back what he would normally be doing. Well, I think it's like like to tie it to like gods. Like I think like El El Elmer is. Thor and Bugs is Loki, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, you yeah. know, Bugs is the smart one. Yeah, and Elmer is is like just like a bit dim, very emotional. Yeah, uh, but you know, still super powerful. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're we're filling out a nice little pantheon, which yeah. is the word we settled on very early on. Yeah, yeah, uh, and probably with good reason because uh, we've got two in godlike status. We've got one who is red like. Supposed to have ascended, but hasn't. Yeah. But we know he's very powerful. Which, You've got a pissed got up an, one with lots of immunity. We've got an elder god. Yeah. So we've got, like, we're getting towards this, this godlike uh, array yeah. of, of, of super beings. I mean, Porky, like, what? Which one's going to be? Like, yeah. Is Porky the third going to make a return and be all like, you know, eh? Be all like what? Sorry, eh. <laughs> is, that, is that your porky pig? Is it? Yeah, <laughs> been doing this for nearly four years. Eh. And, and yeah, no, but, but ah, is yeah, your porky pig? Yeah, That's but what you got. but but he's been gone for a while, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you remember is it yeah. <laughs> from those, uh, those well, early days. He was very fast. I remember that. He was very fast. I, but I, only if he was going to the shops. Yeah, that, I forgot. About that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Porky's very quick if he's going to the shop. Yeah, if he's going to buy something, he's gone. Uh, but yeah, I don't think this one answered very much. It was just great to watch. And it's it was great, very it's good. Just great to see Bugs in his element and Elmer really getting on board with the with the being a god bit. But yeah, didn't answer much. It was just funny. It, it was a very good episode. I did really enjoy it. So I think we'll leave it there for this week. As ever, thanks for joining us on this now pretty epic 
journey. Yeah, uh, it's got gods and stuff, stuff and also it's just been a really long time. Hasn't yes, it? yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to know we're not uh, alone on this foolish errand that we've taken upon ourselves. Yeah. Uh, as ever, we're going to leave you with a song. Uh, we've got some Nordic stuff going on. And uh, we remembered the band Heilung, which we re- <laughs> were really enjoying uh, a year or two ago. Yep. Uh, just weird, shamanish, fucking great like, what Nordic folk. Uh, so we're going to leave you with uh, Narupo by Heilung. Uh, enjoy it. It's weird. And yeah, we'll but, see you next week. Great. Bye. Amen.